episode to record in Italy. Allie's actually having technology (laughs) issues, which I thought would be on my end for sure. I had already prepared myself to have like mini issues in case it did happen. So I wouldn't be as frustrated, but it's it's actually going okay over here. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's taken me 15 minutes to get on this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited for today's episode. I feel like our relationship episode that we did a couple months ago was so good and we had a lot of good feedback from that. Yeah. But I think we're a step further today talking about toxic relationships. Yeah. Thank you for carrying the team on this one. I had to miss the interview. Um, but yeah, I actually recorded this one like the week or two before I left Oxford and I did it solo. So we'll miss you, Allie, in the episode, but you first, have us both for the intro. First solo episode. I know. It actually, I actually specialize in toxic relationships. Yeah, that's why I was like glad to let like- you take this one. <laughs> Yeah, you know you haven't had like a super good track record when Allie's like, hey, you think you can handle this toxic relationship episode by yourself? I feel like you can do it. I was like, I feel yeah, like you have a lot of sure. talking points for it. Yeah, definitely. Me and Lindsay were vibing. But- I actually haven't listened to it back yet, but I'm excited to listen to you chat. Yeah, I feel like I hate to say this, but I think most people have experienced some form of toxic relationship in their life, whether it be like a boyfriend husband, ex-husband, like brother, friend. I feel like toxic relationships for me, they haven't been boyfriends, but like I've definitely had toxic relationships in my life. I probably have Yeah. A few like it now. doesn't have to be someone you're yeah, it doesn't have to be someone you're like romantically involved with to be toxic, you know. Yeah, I wasn't really thinking of it that way, but now that I'm sitting here, I'm like, yeah, I definitely have some toxic relationships in my life and yeah. in the past that can definitely uh take away something. Yeah, so maybe this will be applicable to – hopefully this will be applicable to all relationships. And, yeah, I just thought it was a great episode. I had a really good time talking with Lindsay. She's so great and I'm really excited to share with you guys. Well, I, I'm i really excited to hear about your weekend. I feel like we've barely got a chance to talk <laughs> since you've just been going nonstop. Uh, y'all, I know. I mean, I've had the best time. I'm just telling Allie, like – I this is the first episode that I've really been able to speak on this move, I guess, because we pre-recorded the other ones before, but like Italy, <laughs> Europe, it can beat you down and build you up in 2 seconds. So like I guess if we want to just jump into our recap real quick, I just got back literally 20 minutes ago. I wish you guys could see how disheveled I look right now um, on the camera, but I just got back like 20 minutes ago from this birthday extravaganza that we had for my roommate Blaine. And pre and prior to that, I was in Greece with my aunt and cousin because my cousin Olivia was studying abroad. So basically for like eight days, I've been gone and I really have only been in Florence for about a week, four or so of them. I was completely delirious because I had the worst time with jet lag. Let's just talk about that for a second. Jet lag. <laughs> is a demon of its own sorts. Like I have never experienced that in my life. I called Allie having a full on panic meltdown the first night. I was like, I made a mistake. I need to go home. I need to fly home tonight. And then she's like, just go to sleep. I was also on a flight (laughs) dealing with this. I know. I know. And it just blows my mind that people like vacation here for like a short period of time. But I guess the mindset is different when you know you only have like a certain period of time. Um, and our travel schedule was just horrible. But yeah, the move was successful. It's just been an adjustment process. And I feel like I have like been away a lot. So I haven't fully like adjusted. But we just said this at the train station. When we got back from Blaine's birthday, we were like, okay, this week we're going to go with the flow. We're going to acquaint ourselves with Florence. We're going to get in a schedule, get in a routine. I'm going to join a gym this week. Your nails look you good. Know, just get- Did you find a nail place? I want my thumb. My thumb fell off. No, this is from Oxford. Oh, wow. that crazy? My yeah. thumb fell off in Positano. But yeah, just like a quick recap of the weekend. We went to the Amalfi Coast for Blaine's birthday. Well, before um, that, you were, in, you were in Greece. Yeah. Before birthday. that, I was – yeah, before that, I was in Santorini um, with Liv for her birthday, my cousin Olivia. And that was really cool because my whole life, I think since I watched Sister of the Traveling Pants, I've always said like <laughs> no one – you have to write like homework or like write like – I don't know, prompts or just people ask you, where's your dream place to go? I'd always say, I guess Greece. Like I, like I, my dream place, I would love to go to Greece. And it kind of hit me when I was there on like the second day I looked around. I was like, wait, I'm like 
where I always said I wanted to go. Like, that's crazy. Like, I can't believe that. And I was like, so proud of myself for getting to that point. Yeah. Um, and then got back from that, was home for literally, I'm not even kidding y'all, nine hours. I got home at around 12.45 a.m. Our washing machine broke in our apartment. We only got to use it twice and then it broke. So we've been dealing with that for like the past week and a half. So I had to hand wash all my clothes in the sink and then was so stressed. I just smoke a cig. What? Seriously. Had to smoke a cig. I'm not even kidding. That's when you know it's bad. When you have to light up a cigarette. I have never known you to do that. You don't even vape anymore. I know. I know. That's when you know. Like, that's when you know times are dark. When you're hand washing your clothes at 1.30 in the morning smoking a cig. (laughs) That's when you know things are just chaos. What if you come back from Europe a smoker? I'm not. I'm not going to come back a smoker. But in that in that instant, I need to be a smoker because I was like, I don't even know how to channel like this energy that I'm having. <laughs> Anyways, hand washing my clothes, middle of the night, drying them outside, <laughs> packing my bag, wake up the next morning, 8 a.m., go to the train station. Had to be there at like 8.30. The one train we needed to get on to get to Positano, which I thought like the Amalfi Coast would be an easy place to access, but the one train we needed to get on was canceled. So we had to go the most roundabout way. And we did one night in Salerno in an Airbnb and our two of our guy friends from Hawaii, Sean and Chris met up with us. And then the next morning we woke up, got on a ferry. We were late to get on the ferry. We were running like a mile and a half we ran with our suitcases. I'm not even kidding. Oh when we God. got on the when we got on the ferry, Perry honestly looked like she had COVID. Like we were sweating so badly. She looked so unwell. <laughs> we were all just like wet. Um, but we get on the ferry, ferry to Positano, which was a dream because we just read that book, me and Allie, yeah. One Italian Summer. Um, one thing though that I didn't realize is that if you're planning on going to Positano sometime soon, I hope you guys are training. I hope you're on the stair climber five hours a day because Positano is all stairs. Like I'm not even kidding. After running with our bags to the ferry, we get off the ferry and we literally climbed. I think we climbed like someone looked at their Fitbit, like over a thousand stairs. Oh my God. And it's so ironic because a year ago on that day, we did Stairway to Heaven in Hawaii. Oh yeah. And we were climbing with all of our stuff and it was crazy. Um, But we got to Positano and it was a literal dream so beautiful went to the place that we had dinner did you like it better than greece um honestly greece was a little bit easier because like i was traveling with an adult and like things were just kind of flowing well like when you like because there's a big difference between traveling with your family and traveling with young adult friends yeah 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 yeah. like it's a completely different vibe change it's like you have to just be prepared for whatever might come but we made it there it was so amazing had such a great dinner went to a club in a cave finessed our way cut the entire line finessed our way we just went right to the front it was so crazy what and then the next morning we woke up got on another ferry to capri and that day was just incredible we had a boat we rented for blaine's birthday and we had this amazing airbnb and it was just really it was a great weekend um our two Italy friends, Riley and Caitlin, I'm happy to report I have met friends. So our two friends, Riley and Caitlin, who actually met Riley on TikTok, which is exactly how I met Blaine, which is funny. They came with us and then Sean and Chris were there. So we kept calling it like a crossover episode. You know when Hannah Montana used to crossover with like Sweet Life of Zach and Cody? Yeah. The crossover episode? Yeah. We had a crossover episode with our Hawaii and Italy friends and it was just really fun. Everyone vibed and oh, I love that. it was really great. So yeah, like... I'm definitely still learning, but my friend Riley, who I, the one I'm on TikTok, she brought up today, like every time we do a trip, we learn what to do and what not to do for yeah. sure. Well, hopefully so, we figure out all the not to's before I get there in September. Yeah, I think so. Cause we've already made like 55 mental notes. Like, mm-hmm. okay, do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. It's funny because I feel like Europe is definitely glamorized like for sure on social media like you see all these little instagram baddies strutting (laughs) around positano but no one's mentioning the stairs i know you aren't climbing the stairs in your little heels it's cobblestone 
Maybe, like what's going maybe on? you just need to do a real like influencer goes to Europe. This is what it's really like. Get ready. I am. I am. We have many videos ready for that. So that was on the docket for this week. So out of, <laughs> out of that, what was your high and what was your low? I think my low was just like travel complications and like how frustrating it can be when you feel like you're like not able to control situations and yeah. like you feel like you're you feel like you're like not knowledgeable. It's like you know you're smart, but you're just so not smart you about know. you're this doing topic. something you've never done because you don't know. Yeah, it's just new. So that's probably my low. My high though, I think was definitely in Capri. Um, when we did the boat for Blaine's birthday, and we were just like swimming in yeah, the ocean, and we all sang her happy birthday in the middle of the ocean, and she cried, and it was just like the Aww. best, like just the best time, and. All of the great, great times, I think, overshadowed the kind of, like, chaotic. Yeah. It looked amazing. Times, but I'm, I'm glad they Definitely just learning my way. And I hope every week I can report <laughs> some new knowledge that I learn. And just my goal this week is just to settle in, though, to Florence. That's something I'm excited about. I'll go, yeah. guys. Bonnie and Liv, my cousin and my aunt who I was in Greece with, are actually here because they're ending their trip in Italy. So I'm going with them all week to do tours. And I'm really excited because oh, I feel like cool. I'm going to learn a lot more about Florence. I'm going to get my apartment straight. I'm just going to like do a lot of stuff. I'm excited to settle in to routine. Yeah, you really hit the ground running for sure. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, enough about me. <laughs> what about you? Um, I feel like anything I say is going to pale in comparison to your European adventures. No, I like to hear it. Um, this week has been really, really tough. Remember that episode when like you were having a really shitty week and I was having a really great week? Well, I think the roles, I think the roles have been reversed. First of all, I have a couple of lows, but the first one, I got my lips done on Friday and the gel that they use to numb it, I've had a serious allergic reaction to and my whole mouth area, (laughs) including my chin, is like red and like scaly and peely it's really bad i've been having to go to sleep with aquaphor like all over my face slugging you've been slugging yourself yes what is that that's what it's called when you like slug it means you like cover your face in ointment or like some kind of cream but yeah so i've been dealing with that and that's just like a minor inconvenience happening in my life right now hopefully that will go away soon because it's really uncomfortable And speaking of lips, Vivian and Lindsay and I went to the Lip Lab, which is this cool new thing that opened in Nashville where you make your own lipstick. It was horrible. Like, the people in there were bullies. Like, they bullied us. Wait, what? Yes. Like, we sat down, like, so excited to have this cool cool experience and, like, make our own lipstick. The girl had, like, (laughs) was so, so rude. She like <laughs> we sat down. She like didn't introduce herself, and I was like, "Oh, like what's your name?" She was like, "Colleen." And literally the whole time, she was like, "Well, what's oh the goal God. here?" Like she couldn't get anyone's color right, and then she's like, "What's the goal here?" I'm like, "The, the goal, goal Colleen, is to, is to make out. some lipstick. The goal is to walk out of here with a lipstick that I like, and I hate all of these. They were like bright purple and like just <laughs> ugly, and she like wasn't getting it, and she was getting. I think she was getting frustrated at herself for like." not being good at it colleen the goal was to have fun making some lipstick with my with my gals like what what do you think the goal is we literally like felt bullied the whole time she was like well what do you want like what don't you like about it i mean at one point like viv and i just looked at each other and we just settled for like the one that we hated the least honestly we were like we need to get out of here That's so crazy because mom just did this with Nina and Bonnie and they had like a great experience. I don't know what happened, but like every worker there had like the biggest attitude problem and it was supposed to just be like this fun girly event and we were like running out of there, like get us out. So do not recommend that. That is bad PR for them just to like, you guys all live in Nashville. Like people ask you guys about Rex all the time. Dang. I'm so sorry you're a bully. That's the worst. I hate when people are like, when you're doing something and it's like supposed to be something you like and they're like, well, what? Why don't you like it? I'm like, I don't know because I just don't like it. Like, it's like, what do you want? Just don't like, like do you it. want more white? Do you want more blue in it? I'm like, I just want a nice berry. Like, that's what I want. Figure it out. <laughs> and she kept – she just kept making us feel so dumb and like we were such an inconvenience for being there. I'm like, girlfriend. <laughs> it's your Colleen. job, Colleen. We're paying you. Not you, but we're paying to be here so you could at least be nice to us. That's crazy. Wow. That's 
That is a low. I thought you were that was gonna be your high. I was like, oh, your high and low both are about lips, and then you're like, it's horrible. I told you I'm having a rough week. I have several lows. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a rough week when the lip lab isn't even fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um. No, but on a serious note, you know when you have those weeks that, like, you just feel like everyone's coming at you with their heavy shit? Like, you just have, like, a neon sign above your head that says, like, please unload every unpleasant something negative. Yes. I feel like I've just been in, like, a drive-by of, like, people that are close to me just, like, firing away, like, their, like, negativity and, like, bad stories about people I don't even know. I'm like, I can't take any more. Like, don't come at me unless it's rainbows, butterflies, and flowers because I'm not here for anything else. Nothing. I had that like same kind of issue when especially like adjusting this move because I feel like when you make a large just in life in general, but like especially when you make a very large move that is a little bit unsettling because it's so new and you're trying to figure yourself out and then you have people coming at you from like every direction, like telling you just like bad stuff. You're like, wait, I'm trying to keep myself in a positive headspace. Yeah. But I really am upset now and I'm such an empath. So I'm like, I've really had to set some boundaries this week and it can be kind of hard because I feel like when you do that, you have to almost like disconnect yourself from people that you like are used to talking to. And then you start to feel a little bit like alone, but it's like, you have to do that to protect your peace. Yeah, you know? totally. Definitely. Uh, so I get that. That's where I am sure. this week. I just wish that like everyone would protect your peace the way they try to protect their peace. I'm yeah. like, I need, I need. You're protecting your peace. I need protect my peace mine. Protected for sure. Yeah. Like I've taught, I've taught some of my friends and close people in my life to like this quote, protect your peace. And they're like, I'm just trying to protect my peace. And I'm like, well, my peace was just thrown out the door. Yeah. And like you run over by a car. All over my peace. Shattered. <laughs> Shitting on my peace. <laughs> yeah. And I barely have any. <laughs> I know, I know. So yeah, that really led to a week of just like random bursts of crying last week. <laughs> so something's up though. Like, okay, guys, has anyone noticed that like this past week particularly has been like very emotional? Like, I don't know what's going on in the astrological charts. I forgot to look into it. Look into it and let me know. But like Herbie was here last week and we had such a great week and it was so fun. I was glad he was here. He was here for like a full week. And then, like, towards the end of it, I don't know what was going on and the stars or whatever, but I just, like, had such a rough two days and just started randomly crying about everything. And I was just like, I don't know why I'm crying. Every little thing would send me into, like, tears. But the thing is, like, because I I do like to discuss when I'm upset with, like, everyone I talk to. And everyone I've talked to about it has been, like, I've also had a very emotional week. So, like, I don't know what's going on, if it's, like, a heavier energy or whatever. Um, I will look into that, though, and report back. But, like – Please do because I need Definitely to feel. Definitely feel. I was, like, walking the streets of Florence just crying. I think a lot of it was, like, delirium from being jet lagged. But, like, that's bad, like, when you just burst out. But yeah. also, you got to release it. So I can't hold it in. Like, I'm really trying to do better about not pushing my emotions down and just like really letting them move through me. So whenever I feel the need to cry, I just cry. And it's been happening a lot this week. So letting really letting yeah. some emotions run through me. Yeah. Let it let it go. Let it flow. Yeah. Anyways, do you have a high? <laughs> it's okay if you don't. <laughs> um. Okay, if nothing good happened. <laughs> well, can I say a hi from the week before? Because we didn't really do a recap. Sure. Well, when Herbie was in town, we went to – the thing I really like about him is we're very active. Like, we're doers. We go do things. And we went to a soccer game, and it was really fun at the new Nashville Stadium. We, like, had club seats, and we got, like, free drinks, free food the whole time. It was so fun. And then the next night, we went – to an outdoor movie. We saw Legally Blonde. He complained about it the whole time, but then after said it was the best date that he's ever been on with me. So props to me for planning it. Yeah, I feel like boys like complain. They're like, oh gosh, like I can't watch this. I can't watch Kardashians. And they're so locked in. I'm like, don't lie. Oh, he's like, you liked it. Was like, I know her movie. I know Herbie liked it. <laughs> I know Herbie liked Legally Blonde. He, he was it. so scared. He was just scared to admit it we loved it so that was really fun and then also this past weekend after we did the lip lab we really turned our day around we did a dessert tour at a after th- your bully 
after we were bullied, we went and ate our feelings. Um, Assembly Food Hall opened in Nashville not too long ago, and it's like this massive food hall, like every type of food you could ever imagine, poke bowls, Italian, cookie dough, like all these things. And so um, we did a dessert tour, and we just went around and tried all the different desserts, basically ate desserts for dinner. It was really fun. That's fun. That's a good high. That's a good Nashville wreck. Yeah. If you're planning on doing the lip lap, cancel your appointment and go to the food hall. eat dessert instead. It's much better. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I just like had a weekend because I feel like – I mean I was gone for a a couple weekends in a row. I was in Mexico for a wedding and then I got back. And so it was nice just to like have the weekend to chill and just get stuff done that I needed to get done, you know? It's a little unsettling when you have like been gone for a long time and then you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta get home. And I was just telling Bland and Perry this. We were like walking home and I was like, wow, this kind of makes Florence feel way more like home because we've been gone for so long and we're like, we're like returning to this place. Mm-hmm. We were like, we can't wait to be home. So I get that. You just, that's what we're doing this week. Like you have to take time and adjust back to your life. Yeah, totally. Totally. And then Are you excited about anything? I'm excited about. Um, I am excited about, you know what? I'm really excited about Primp right now. I feel like we're about to really move very quickly forward. I had some great interviews with ambassadors. We've hired, um, two ambassadors at Ole Miss and then two, we're hiring two here in Nashville, recent grads, um, just to like spread the word about it. And so I've been meeting with these girls and just like hearing their feedback and how excited they are about Primp has really motivated me. And I've also been meeting with some salons that are really interested in signing up and becoming print partner salons. And I had a great coffee this morning and I'm just really excited about the direction it's moving in. I wish I had more time in the day to devote to it, but hopefully, you know, one day. But yeah, I think that we're about to start moving forward at a really quick pace and I'm excited to see where it goes. Honestly, just like hearing everyone's feedback about it has been, like I said, really motivating. Yeah, it's definitely awesome to hear like, the excitement in others to help fuel your excitement the same way like negativity will fuel your negativity definitely you know? especially when you get like down and like you're only seeing like the hard parts of something or like the bad parts and like I was talking to someone today and she was like you know wow I can't believe like you actually like had this idea and you like brought it to life you know it's so rare that you actually do them and like I was like you know what like I need to give myself props like I actually did do that even though it's taken me a lot longer than I would like. Like I really did, you know, build something that's an actual thing that I'm proud of. Yeah. So that was cool to hear. You did that. Yeah. Like I did that. Um, Same with the podcast too. Like I feel like whenever we get kind of burnt out, we hear people that are loving it and we're like, okay, we'll keep on. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad to be back in action. Glad to be live recording. Glad to share this episode. I think I really think this will be one of the better episodes when it comes to help because I've learned so many things being in toxic relationships and seeing other people in them and helping friends through them and helping myself through them. And, you know, I hope this episode will provide a little bit of light, you know, for people that might feel like they're in that situation. Yeah, definitely. I think like we talked about at the beginning, there are so many types of toxic relationships too. Like it doesn't just have to be someone that you date. So I'm personally excited. Yeah. I'm personally looking forward to listening to it. I would say my like biggest two cents on toxic relationships before we go into this episode with Lindsay is just like, one, you're never alone. And even when you feel like you're alone and you feel like that you can't talk to anyone about it, like that's just not the truth. That's just something that you're telling yourself. And two, like there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, even when it seems really dark. And you are definitely strong enough to get yourself out of that relationship because there's been a lot of times where I thought like I can't see an end to this because I'm in so deep with like this person and I know it's not good, but there is always a way and a light. And I think that Lindsay really highlights that today. And I'm really excited to share this. I love that. Yeah. And even if it's like, you know, a relationship that is toxic and you can't really get out of it based on like your circumstances right now, like maybe it's with a friend or a coworker, I think the biggest thing is just to realize like their energy is not yours. Like you have to put up very, very, very solid boundaries. And that's something I personally struggle with, which is maybe why I found myself in the, in those relationships like a little bit more often than the average Joe. Yeah. 
So our guest today is Lindsay O'Brien. She is a relationship healing mentor. She helps women go from bad relationships to real love. She talks a lot about toxic relationships. She helps with subconscious healing. And she's just overall an amazing person. She's had a great story. She has gone through things that are very applicable to what she coaches and teaches women. And she helps them become their best self and find real, good, true love. I think that it's so impressive that she took her hardships in the past and turned them into her full-time job and what she does now and what she's Mm -hmm. very passionate about, which is helping other women. I just love that. Yeah, I love that too. We are so pumped to welcome Lindsay O'Brien to Go Call Your Sister. Um, I love your Instagram page. I love your little videos and reels. I just think they're so helpful. So I love what you're doing. So I guess just to start off, could you tell us a little bit about your journey and what you do today? Sure, absolutely. Well, I am a toxic relationship healing mentor. And so basically what that means is I help women break the cycle of toxic relationships so that they can love themselves and then find healthy love, real love is what Mm -hmm. I call it. And so my journey, I actually started out as just an energy healer. Like this is, this is years ago. I still do energy healing today. It's part of what I do, but, um, I was doing energy healing. I was still married at the time and in what I now consider a toxic relationship, I was actually trying to heal from like a chronic illness that I had. And I found this energy healing modality and it worked just so well that it actually made me realize this relationship is not working for me anymore. Like this is not a good relationship for me. I don't feel good in it. And so I got divorced. Story's not over though. I actually, after that divorce, I got into an abusive relationship with someone narcissistic. And I was like, mm. what the heck, man? Like I, yeah. I had done all this healing. What, what happened? And so I, I realized that just doing the, the inner healing, that actually wasn't enough. Just doing the, the releasing work on releasing my emotions. I actually had to work with a mentor. I had to learn a whole bunch of stuff about like how to actually shift my relationship patterns. That's the work that I hadn't done prior to mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. And I also had to rewire a lot of my subconscious beliefs. Like I didn't realize that I was carrying around a lot of beliefs like that I wasn't good enough or that everyone is going to leave me and just a whole bunch of stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I did that work. I rewired my beliefs and I worked with a mentor to help me figure out like, okay, how do I navigate dating? How do I know who's right for me? Is this a red flag? Like all these questions I had. And so that actually did the trick, like the energy healing in combination with a mentor and rewiring my subconscious beliefs that helped me to get into the relationship that I'm in now, which is healthy. It's awesome. I love it. And so I took all of those things that helped me, and that is now the work that I help other women do. It's it's primarily subconscious work with some guidance, mm-hmm. and it's just so, so powerful. It's helped me tremendously, and yeah, it helped my clients as well. Wow, that is such an amazing story. We are really big on energy healing oh, um, cool. in my family <laughs> and on this podcast. And I just love that you took an experience that you went through and was tough, but you had learned a lot, and now you're able to help other women. And I think that's just how the best things come around. But you said that you were in two toxic relationships back to back. How do you even recognize you're in a toxic relationship? Because sometimes I think that you can kind of just get lost in the fog and you don't even realize what's actually going on. Oh, a hundred percent. And so my definition of a toxic relationship is actually pretty simple. According to my definition, a toxic relationship is a relationship that just consistently brings you down. Like Mm -hmm. it consistently hurts you or it makes you feel bad about yourself. And so that way we're encompassing a lot more than just abusive relationships because there's a lot of relationships that aren't exactly abusive, but they are really harmful. Like for Mm -hmm. me, I was with someone who was really emotionally unavailable. I wouldn't put that in the, the category of abuse, but it was really damaging for me. So that's my definition versus a healthy relationship where the relationship consistently brings you up. You feel good about yourself. You feel supported. So yeah, it's really actually that simple. And if you think that you might be in a toxic relationship, then you probably are. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. And it's crazy because it's so hard for you to recognize sometimes when you're in it. I know that when I was in a toxic relationship in college, 
it's like everyone else could see it except for me. And I was just like, you guys are crazy. Like, and then stepping back, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. All the signs were there. All the red flags are waving, but it is a little bit hard to recognize. Um, Something else I wanted to go over that I'm really interested in is trauma bonding. I saw this Mm -hmm. on your page and you post a little bit about it. Can you tell us what is trauma bonding? Oh, yeah. So trauma bonding is actually such an interesting topic. So that's a great question. So trauma bonding is that emotional addiction that we can have to someone who hurts us. Mm -hmm. So I have to give like a bigger perspective on relationships here. So all relationships can potentially be addictive. Like like when you're with someone, when you have that what we call attachment, like that's technically Mm -hmm. kind of an addiction. Like it's it's a you feel that sometimes you can't live without this person. And in in a healthy relationship, that's okay. Like that's normal. That's what's supposed to happen. But the difference here with trauma bonding is you feel that addictive pull towards someone who hurts you or who is abusive to you. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's something about the dynamic of abusive relationships, toxic relationships, where your partner can be very hot and cold. They can sometimes be wonderful to you. And then they're very cruel and within that back and forth that they call that intermittent reinforcement, the mm-hmm. hot and cold, that actually creates this super tight glue. It's it's quite literally like an addictive force. It feels like it feels like one of the hardest things to break away from. And it doesn't feel yeah. like that necessarily in a healthy relationship, but that like I said that that hot and cold behavior, it makes that that glue, that attachment even stronger than it would in a healthy relationship. And so the the trick to breaking out of that trauma bond is to get to the root of what is creating that emotional addiction. So mm-hmm. it's it's like a big topic here, but to just summarize it very quickly, the the reason that we become attached to people is because of emotions, right? We attach emotionally. We attach through positive emotions, negative emotions. And so if you're in a trauma bond with someone and you can get to some of the emotional stuff that's keeping you in there, like a lot of us have abandonment stuff going on, mm-hmm. some some grief from our past. If we can release those energies, then it, it makes the bond looser and it makes it easier to move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that when you're in a relationship, especially a toxic relationship, it's so much easier to focus on the when you said hot and cold, the hot moments, the good moments, the happy things. And it's like, you don't want to have to focus on the negative, but in a way you kind of need to, because all that happy, positive stuff is really not reality, you know? Exactly. Like that's what our minds tend to do. Our minds, when we're in a relationship like that, yeah, we, because we want to survive. We want to feel good. We only want to focus on the good stuff, but yeah, what actually has to happen if you want to break away is you have to like gather enough of your own courage to actually look directly at the bad stuff and say, Oh yeah, you know what? This, this is hurting me. Yeah. This is not yeah. good. And and it can be very scary to do that. Absolutely. It, it means you likely have to leave and yeah. that can be incredibly difficult for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. I like, I think that's the biggest thing is that most people just can't imagine leaving the relationship, you know? And it's, I remember when I, had to break up with um, the guy I was dating in college. I physically could not rem- like bring myself to do it. And when I finally did it, I told my friends and family, I was like, I swear I literally blacked out. Like, I don't remember anything that happened, but the biggest weight was lifted off my shoulders when I finally did it. But leading up to that point, I was like, I cannot imagine this. And I think that's just the hardest part is taking that step towards the breakup. So that's really oh, 100%. interesting. hundred percent. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. it was the same. It was the same for me. Like, there's just because I had a lot of abandonment wounds from my past, and so yeah, the thought of leaving this relationship was like it felt like I was almost gonna die. Like I, like I, my mind couldn't conceive of yeah what life would look like after leaving Absolutely. this relationship. So yeah, I can relate yeah. to that. Yeah, and a lot of times it turns out being so much better than you can imagine. It's just yeah, it's hard to see. <laughs> time. I know that you spoke about um, dating someone who was emotionally unavailable. And I think we hear that a lot. But how can you tell if someone's emotionally unavailable? And what does that even mean? I love that question. Yeah. So let's like, if we're going to talk about unavailability, let's, I can first explain the opposite. Like what is emotionally available so that we can understand the, the opposite. So 
being emotionally available means just like you have the capacity for intimacy. Your heart is Mm -hmm. open. You are ready for it. You're not afraid of it. You're like, okay, I'm here. Yeah, let's connect emotionally. So the opposite would be unavailable, which means you are not available for intimacy. Like you just don't have the capacity to do it. You don't have the ability right now. Maybe you're hung up on an ex. Maybe there's just too much stuff from your past that's getting in the way of you opening your heart and being there for someone like open, open for love. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different things that could be going on for people. I know actually I talk about this a little bit in my work. Like I was emotionally unavailable for, for a while, like a good, Mm -hmm. a good portion of my life. And that's actually why I got into these relationships with other people who were unavailable. I didn't see it at the time. I was like, Oh no, I'm, I'm available. I'm so open. Cause in my relationship, I was like very, forthcoming with my emotions I would share but I realized that oh actually there's there's a reason I'm with this person like there's a reason that I didn't pick the person who was available and attentive and loving no there's a reason I'm here with this person who is not like that yeah so I had to do a lot of work and a lot of introspection and and open my own heart to love Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's crazy how many things we carry over with us in relationships that happen, like even in our childhood or our early life, and they're kind of like hurts places in our hearts, and we don't heal from them properly. So we take them with us into those relationships and causes a lot of grief sometimes. Yeah, it's it's so true. And so like, I think the greatest gift that anyone can give themselves is to do their own healing work so that yes, they can have what they want in life. Like, I think just having a healthy relationship is one of the most valuable things you can have because it just affects every single aspect of your life. It's, it's so yeah. worth it. And not to be ashamed to seek yeah. therapy or help or mentorship when you're going through a breakup. Because I remember at the time um, I was going through a breakup and I just thought, oh, I, I don't really need to go to therapy because it's not that bad and it's nothing like horrible has happened. I haven't lost a family member. Like this is just a lot And looking back on it. Then like years later I had to go heal this, you know, hurt that I wish I would have just solved at the time. And I think a lot of people, you know, are maybe too ashamed or don't think it's important enough, but it really is so important to do the work and heal from those relationships. It is. I'm glad you brought that up because I think also what can sometimes happen in addition to the shame is if we do have these patterns of being unavailable, that's actually part of the unavailability feeling like I actually don't even want to trust anyone. I don't want to open up to even like a professional because I'm too scared. I'm too scared of getting hurt. And this might not be conscious for us at the time, but it can manifest as like, oh yeah, I don't need help. Like I got this, but, but no, I, I don't, I actually don't recommend anyone to, try to break these toxic relationship cycles by themselves. It's just like, if we could have done it by ourselves, we would have done it already. Yeah, we would have done it. When we're in it, we just can't see it. Like you talked about, like your your friends telling you, you really need that objective support to to get out of this. Absolutely. And sometimes I think it just takes, you have to come to that realization. Like you want to help your friend. You want to tell her, you want to show her all these things that are going on and that everyone's saying, but you're really not going to help her until she realizes it herself. And that's kind of what happened with me. And I was just like, Oh, wow. All these things you said were true. So, um, so this question I was really interested in. Um, and I feel like a lot of people could resonate with this, but what are the best ways to stop obsessing over an ex and to finally really move on? Mm, yeah. That's, that's a question that I get pretty much like 20 times a day. I bet, so yeah. I bet. <laughs> it's a great one. And so I, there's, there's two ways that I tackle this here. So I think one of the most important things to do is get to the root subconscious reason for why we are obsessing. Because mm-hmm. usually if, if we're obsessing about an ex, it's because this is not the first time that somebody has hurt us or that we're feeling this pain. There's usually something going on from our past. And so like I talked about before, if we can get to the root of what that is, whether mm-hmm. it's an emotional energy that we just suppressed from the past, maybe we couldn't feel it at the time. I'll use abandonment because I've been talking about that here today. Abandonment trauma can actually be one of the reasons why we're just obsessing and ruminating about an ex. So if we can, again, get to that energy, process it, release it, 
then actually we usually can move on much more quickly than just talking about it or just like not really doing anything. Yeah. That's actually been one of the keys for me for getting over exes. Cause like when I, when I was recovering from my divorce and that abusive Mm. relationship, it, the two happened so quickly. It was like a double breakup. It was like, I was, I was, I was recovering from like a 15 year relationship. And then also this other shorter relationship on top of that. And I do credit this like energy healing, the subconscious work with being able to get me over it as quickly as I did. It still took a while. It's still not, it's not a fast journey. So I think that can be so powerful. And then the other thing is like when we're obsessing about an ex, we have to work towards disrupting that thought pattern. It's 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 different from suppressing. I never want anybody to suppress their emotions. But if we're just sitting there and like we're on our phones and we're like looking through all of our ex's texts or like we're just yeah. obsessing over their social no, media. There have been you know, no like, transactions. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop yeah, yeah, we got to like, we got to put it down. We got to put the phone down. We have to like, do something different. So when we yeah. find ourselves in that cycle of, of like, we're just like hyper focused on this, we have to shift mm-hmm. it, like, do something else, like go for a walk, cook yourself a meal, watch it, watch like one of your favorite TV shows, just something that's going to break you out of that, that brain pattern of constantly thinking about your ex, and specifically something that would trigger some dopamine for you, like some of those feel yeah. good hormones. So like, yeah, if, if exercising feels good to you, yeah, like just go for a walk or like, just like do something that feels good. And it's not an instant quick fix, but if you keep practicing this over time, you will actually train your brain to not think about this person so much. Yeah. Tra- like you, you, you show your brain, oh no, actually, no, we're, we're moving on here. Yeah, we're not, we're not focusing on this person anymore. We're, we're moving on, we're doing other things. And so the combination of those two things can be pretty powerful. And then Definitely. also like part of that subconscious work is if you have a specific belief that was generated from that relationship, like that mm. no one loves you maybe because yeah. it was such a bad relationship. Getting to the heart of that too with subconscious work helps yeah. you to move on. So yeah, a combination of breaking the obsessive thinking and doing yeah. the subconscious work is for me the key that helps me to move on and my clients too. Yeah, it's so important. I think that a lot of people, and I've done this myself even multiple times, but to get over someone, they just like someone else yeah. and, or they move their focus to someone else. And when you do that, it just, you don't do any of those steps you just talked about, you know, you just skip right over everything and you put your focus to someone else. And then, you know, those memories that other person will still come up. So I think just taking all those steps and yeah, distracting yourself, the best thing that I can do when I'm in those situations is just like to be with friends. I'm such a people person. And a lot of the time when you go through breakups, I feel like the hardest part is you feel like you're kind of losing like a best friend in a way, even if it's in a bad relationship. You're like, that was my like boyfriend, but also my best friend. So that's such a hard part of it too. So just being around best friends is really kind of what does it for me. That's a great, yeah, that's a great thing to do too. Yeah, just like talking to people and yeah, just getting people around you to take your mind off it. Because you're right, a lot of people and- this was me in the past too. Like we just like someone else. And then it's like, we're just putting a bandaid over that pain. It doesn't go away. It just stays there. So yeah. Yeah. And, and it will, it, you're right. It will eventually come up. You, you kind of can't outrun that stuff. So yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Are you team unfollow on social media or block or what do you usually tell your clients to do? Yeah. I'm, I'm team. Like you have to go no contact for a while. It's yeah. because specifically I focus on toxic relationships and uh-huh. you you have to take that time away from them. I, I actually don't think that someone who wasn't a good relationship partner is going to be a good friend down the road. Yeah, so yeah like you don't have to block them. I, I recommend blocking if they keep reaching out to you after you've asked yeah. them not to. I have had yeah. to block some exes for that reason. Yeah, but yeah, I absolutely think you need to unfollow like you're if you're going to really heal and you're going to really move on. That is what you have to do. It doesn't mean you have to unfollow them forever, but probably after you heal, you won't want to follow them again. But but totally you do need to do that. It's a really important step. Yeah, that's I did. I did the same exact thing in my relationship. I actually when we broke up, I went like almost a year and a half with like no contact at all. And while it was difficult, you know, like it was honestly the best thing for me because it's hard to get that clarity when they're kind of in your head, even if that's like 
not directly if that's like, oh, their Instagram stories popping up because you know that your boyfriend or your ex-boyfriend's story is at the top of your Instagram. Like, yes, he's going to be the top one. So, yeah, just kind of clearing that um, is such a healthy way to move past. I definitely agree. Um, yeah. So the next question that we had was, how do you end the cycle of attracting toxic relationships and and recognize healthy ones? Because I think when all that trauma and hurt goes down, it's kind of hard to see the green flags after a while. Yeah. And that's, yeah, to kind of like continue with what we were talking about, like that's why it's so important to, to go no contact and to, mm-hmm. to unfollow because when we're talking about toxic relationships, they are quite literally addictions. And so if you make the comparison to someone who is an alcoholic, for example, they, mm-hmm. when you go into AA or like when you go start treatment for that, they're not like, oh yeah, you can still drink a little bit or like you can have, yeah, you can have a yeah. drink at least once a week. They're like, no, you got to go cold turkey on this. So it's, it's yeah. similar for toxic relationships. We do actually have to go cold turkey, so to speak, and, and cut mm-hmm. that person off. So that's really the first step in the journey. And then it's also important to start to take our power back by understanding that we're not just passively attracting relationships or attracting partners that aren't good for us because mm-hmm. like, we're all going to, if we're, if we're an attractive woman, if we're a desirable woman, we're always going to attract all kinds of people. The shift is in choosing who we let into our lives, who we let stay in our lives. That's the shift here. Like, because if we are in toxic relationships, we let people, we were actually attracted to people who weren't good for us. So we actually have a lot of power here. And that's, that's the good news. We're not just like passive bystanders, <laughs> bystanders here. So the journey that I take my clients through, it's actually three parts. It's deep, what I call deprogramming, emotional healing, and then education. So I'll, mm-hmm. I can go through each of the pieces if that would be Yeah, helpful. absolutely. Yeah, so... I call the first piece deprogramming because it's like when you're in a toxic relationship, especially an abusive relationship, if you're with someone narcissistic, there's a lot of gaslighting, manipulation. So deprogramming for me is helping you to get all of that stuff that your ex told you out of your head. Like maybe I have a lot of women that come to me and tell me that their ex said that they're the abusive one or they're they're not at all. But, but their ex told them that. And so they're carrying that around and they're like very cautious and thinking like, Oh my gosh, like, yeah, maybe I am the abusive one. And it's so hard for them to get over that relationship. So I help them through that process of just, yeah, like getting all of that junk out of their head and getting them to a place where they feel like, okay, I do know that there were some things that I was responsible for in this relationship. And there were a lot of things that I wasn't. And when you can get to that place, then you know, like, you know, oh, okay, yeah, I am not actually responsible for this person's emotions. Like, I can be supportive, I can help them, but no, it's not my fault that he got mad and punched a hole in the wall. Like that's that's not my responsibility. And so that's a huge part of this process is recognizing what you actually do have responsibility and control over in the relationship and what you don't mm-hmm. so that you're not easily manipulated. And in this is having healthy boundaries. Like once you get clear that, oh yeah, this isn't this isn't what I'm responsible for, then you can have much more clear boundaries when you're out in the dating world. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part. This is the deprogramming Definitely. piece. And then the next piece is the emotional healing piece, which is what I talked about before, like all that subconscious work, like releasing all of the stuff that is keeping your heart closed to a healthy person. And I can use like I, I can use myself as an example. When I was dating in my earlier years, like I was not available. I had a lot of wounds and pe- like emotion, like uh, available guys would come to me and I would be like, oh, they're not. I just don't feel a spark. They're not my type. I don't feel the attraction. And that was because I was actually so closed off to love. Like I felt more comfortable with people who were unavailable or people who didn't treat me well because of my past, because of what I was used to in my past, like in my childhood. So I had to do that deep subconscious work, like release all those wounds, release all the energies that were keeping me really afraid to let these, these healthy partners in. And also, like I talked about before, like rewiring the subconscious, those beliefs that like my big one was that I wasn't good enough. That was like the one that was just so heavy on my. That's so common too. Yeah, it's and I know I'm not alone in that. And so definitely not rewiring that kind of stuff helps you to be open when the healthy partners come to you, because if you think that you're not good enough, your subconscious like 
we do this weird thing in our minds. Like we don't want to be wrong. Like we want to stay in our comfort zone of beliefs. And so if we don't Mm -hmm. feel like we're good enough, when someone comes to us who thinks we are, we go like, oh, like, like this doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. We get very comfortable. (laughs) Yeah. We're like, oh no, we're not attracted to that person. Versus when you do think, oh yeah, I am good enough. Someone comes to you who reflects that, so to speak. And you're like, oh yeah, of course. Yes, I am good enough. Yeah, come on in. So that makes a huge difference. And then the last part would be the the education piece. Like you got to learn what the red flags are. You got to learn what mm-hmm. the green flags are too. Like what do you actually look for? Like what what is, if you've never had a healthy relationship, it can be hard to know what, what it looks like. And so that's where a mentor comes in where they can tell you, like, oh yeah, this this is what it looks like. And then something else that's really important to learn is how to communicate and how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. Because if you haven't had healthy relationships, it's hard to know, like if you hadn't, if you haven't had a partner that you can practice this stuff with, like if you're just yelling all the time, you'd actually don't know how to be in a healthy relationship. So you have to learn those healthy communication skills and then also how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. Again, if you haven't had that practice, this is something that you have to learn because healthy partners are going to be looking for that. They want someone who can communicate. They want someone who's not going to like slam the door and run away and not talk to you for for five hours. Like you, you got to show up healthy. And so all of those pieces are part of what helps or actually not, it's it's how you break the cycle. Like if you can do those things, then you will be in a really good place to find healthy love. Yeah. This happened to me the other day. I was having a conversation. I was kind of like scared to have this conversation because I was like, I think it's going to end up in a fight. Like, I think it's going to, end up in an argument or I'm going to be upset. And it was literally just like, we were talking about what we wanted to eat for lunch. Like it was this most casual conversation. And I thought to myself, wow, like this is insane. Like this is actually a normal way to have these conversations. It doesn't have to lead into a fight. Um, And that was just like the biggest eye opener for me that like it was a different relationship than what I was used to, because normally that would have ended up in a fight, like a, you know, a big scene and, So I think that's so true and it is hard to recognize that. But once you start doing the work, I think it's a lot more clear to see the direction that you need to be moving in for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And there's, there's so much healing that can happen in a healthy relationship. Like you just talked Mm -hmm. about, like when I've had so many of those moments with my partner now where I'm like, oh, I can just, wait, I can just tell you this thing and you care about my feelings like wait what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. And you said that you um, had to start looking and recognizing the green flags that your mentor helped you with. Mm -hmm. Um, But for our listeners, if they found themselves in toxic or abusive relationships and they just are really unclear on what a green flag would be, what are some of the main ones that you learned to look for right away? That's a great question. So yeah, some of the, some of the main green flags are like this person isn't sending mixed signals. Like they're very clear about, what they want. Like, Mm -hmm. like if you're on a dating app and you see someone that says, I'm looking for a long-term relationship and that's what you want, that would be a green flag. Like they've put it out there. They know what they want. They're not saying like, oh, we'll see how it goes. Like I'm open to anything like (laughs) that. We don't really know what we're getting here, but yeah, someone who's very clear about what they're looking for. And then someone who's very clear about how they feel about you. Again, they're not, they're not giving mixed signals. They're saying like, I like you. I want to, yeah. yeah, let's keep dating. Let, let's do this. Or I want to be like, I want to be your boyfriend. Like they, they, they don't leave you guessing how they feel about you. Another green flag would be someone who can communicate openly, who can share mm-hmm. their feelings and thoughts very easily versus someone who doesn't like someone who can't, we would put them in the category of unavailable. Like if they have a really hard time sharing their thoughts and just sharing themselves, not a, not a good sign, but yeah, if someone can just be very open and say, hey, mm-hmm. yeah, like, this is how I feel about this. This is what I'm thinking. That's also a really good sign. And, and a green flag, another green flag, too, is just someone who talks about a future with you. They don't leave mm-hmm. you, again, guessing how they feel about you. They're like, yeah, like, let's let's go on vacation in two weeks. And let they start talking about what a future would look like with you. If, if this is what you want, that, that would be yeah. a green flag, yeah. too. So, yeah, really just someone who makes you feel safe who has empathy for you, who you feel comfortable being yourself around. Those are all really Mm -hmm. important green flags to look for. Definitely. And I think that when you start to look for those green flags, 
the people that come into your life, like you said, that you once were probably not attracted to at all, like you would have maybe kind of like looked the other way and been like, oh, it's not really my type. Yeah. They kind of start becoming your type because you you want healthy people to be your type. Yeah. I, I actually, it's, it's a, it's a transition that I, that I take my clients through and anyone that I'm working with because yeah, like, like when you're making that transition from toxic to healthy relationships, sometimes it can feel a little bit weird at first. Like you're like, Oh, do I, do I like this person enough? Because yeah. the feelings are very different from the intensity of a toxic relationship. Like that's, it's, it's, I guess intense is just the best word. Versus like when you're in a healthy relationship, it's, it's calmer, like the attraction feels different. And so yeah, Yeah. people often wonder, like, do I like this person enough? Am I attracted enough? But yeah, you're right, then, then those actual qualities that you're looking for become so attractive. And yeah, it is a transition. It's it's definitely a shift. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And you just learn things that you, you see in that person, and you're like, wow, I want like, this is what I've been looking for. But at first you might feel, oh, it's kind of feels like a friendship because mm-hmm. that's what maybe it should be based off of. And then you, you know, I love that. That's so great. I wish I would have known about you and had toxic, toxic relationship coaches were a thing a couple of years ago, but that's amazing. And I'm so like happy for your clients that they get to work through all these things. And if you're listening to this and you find yourself in a toxic relationship, guys, head over to Lindsay. Like she will help you. So. <laughs> I'd be happy to. It's such fulfilling work. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just love it. Cause part of what I, part of what got me through that, that tough time, like that healing that I was going through was like, I'm going to, I'm going to help people with this someday. And now I get to yeah. do it. And it's, yeah. it's so, yeah, it's so fulfilling. It's so rewarding. I'm sure. Um, so we like to end the episode um, by asking all of our guests, do you have an affirmation or a mantra that you're living by right now? Yeah. So what I am telling myself over and over again these days is that I'm safe. Mm -hmm. And it might seem like a very simple one, but this is actually something that I've been working on for a long time. Like I finally do feel like I'm in a safe place. And so there's sometimes times though where my body like my, my nervous system still remembers the times where I wasn't safe. And so I have to like very often just check in with myself and go, okay, wait, am I, am I remembering stuff from the past? And I, and I look around and I ground myself and I remind myself, oh no, okay, I'm, I'm safe right now. Because yeah, like it is uh, like, I am almost 40. And so I've had many years of feeling unsafe. And so now like it, it is taking my nervous system some time to really calm down on all these different levels and to really accept, no, I'm, I'm safe here. Mm-hmm. I can be myself. I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's actually the one that's just always in my mind. No, I love that. I love that. I think safety is what most people look for, even if they don't realize it subconsciously in their relationships and that feeling. I actually saw this TikTok yesterday that I wanted to bring up, but I, the TikTok said that when you're with a partner who makes your inner child feel safe, you feel like sleepy around them or like yeah. really calm. And I never thought about it like that, that you're, you know, you're reflecting what your inner child needs and wants. Yeah. And that's why it's, yeah, it's such a different experience from a toxic relationship where you're like constantly stimulated. It's like yeah. that roller coaster. Like, sure, the roller coaster is fun the first couple of times, but you can't ride that thing forever. Like, you can't. You're not taking a nap on a roller coaster. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so true. It is that feeling of being safe in a relationship. Yeah, like you can relax, like you can feel sleepy, you can let your guard down. And that's that's ultimately what we want. It doesn't mean that your relationship has to be boring. Like you can go yeah. do exciting things with your partner to get that kind of energy going. But yeah, feeling safe, having your inner child feel safe. That's it's so valuable for me and yeah, I think it's just the best thing in the world. Wow, that's incredible. Well, Lindsay, where can our listeners find you? How can they seek out your services if they find themselves in a toxic relationship? Yeah, so the best way to get in touch with me is my email. You can email me at lindsay at livingfreehealing.us. You can find me on Instagram at livingfreefindinglove. And I have a YouTube channel. It's Living Free. And yeah, I actually make at least one video a week on there, sometimes two longer videos to just break the cycle of toxic relationships. So yeah, like if you, if you follow me on Instagram, you can find all the links to my stuff there. That's amazing. Yeah. You guys check it out. Um, Be sure to follow Lindsay. We're going to put your 
Instagram and website and YouTube in our show notes so you guys can easily find it. And thank you so much for coming on. I just feel like this was such a good episode and what a lot of people need to hear. And you're just doing amazing work. And thank you for what you're doing for other people. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so happy to be on here and talking about it. It is, Yeah, I think it's such an important topic these days. So thank yeah. you. You're changing generations to come with fixing toxic behavior. So thank you so much. Thank you.